0: volume one chapter six of bungay castle by elizabeth Bonhote. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by patty cunningham in the course of the day roseline asked a thousand questions with apparent indifference of de clavering respecting the nature of consumptive cases their symptoms progress etc and how people ought to manage themselves in regard to diet who were confined in damp regions of a dungeon or immured in the narrow precincts of a prison to all which she received such plain direct and experienced answers as she cherished hopes would enable her with the approbation of heaven to be the humble means of restoring to health or a more promising degree of convalescence the interesting object whose secret sufferings have stimulated her to make these unusual inquiries and what gave new life and added energy to her benevolent hopes was the arrival of a letter from sir philip to lady de morney in which he was reluctantly obliged to inform her that his stay in london was unfortunately prolonged and he was sorry to find his absence from the castle was likely to be protracted a considerable length of time from the slow progress of the law and the difficulties thrown in the way by his opponents this account would have given her pain a few days before it was now a source of pleasure which produced the most sanguine expectations of preserving under providence the life of a fellow-creature or at least of rendering its closing scene less hopeless and more comfortable a sensibility like that which was lodged in the bosom of the artless and innocent roseline i would wish all my sex to possess so far from tempting her to run from misery it led her in search of it and when found it awakened every gentle passion of the mind into immediate and resolute action while the fictitious feeling the affected sensibility of a modern miss is confined to kicking fainting or squalling at sight of a wretched object and the little they may really have will evaporate in the trouble of acting their part so as to impose on the minds of others an unjust sense of their own delicate and extreme compassion how much might men as well as women add to the dignity of nature by never tempting to destroy her in the formation of man god lent his own image how would it astonish how would it excite the indignation of the most unenlightened savage if he met with any one so foolish as to suppose they could improve that image by the ridiculous distortions and grimaces of affectation and how would he be diverted how could he see the devoted slaves of fashion so disguise the human form that the head is frequently increased to twice its original size the waist sometimes dwindled to a span at others entirely lost then again restored with such protuberances as even to render the character suspected and at times our modern bows and bells are seen so completely in masquerade that it is a matter of some difficulty to distinguish one sex from the other a circumstance that might be attended with ludicrous if not dangerous consequences as the spirits of lady de morney were much depressed by the receipt of sir philip's letter every one exerted themselves to amuse her they sung they danced and the tale went merrily round de willows and de clavering appeared unusually animated and hugh camelford feared the worse for their exertions they roused the fiery blood of the brave cambrian and then cooled it again by a well-turned compliment they likewise so powerfully assailed elwyn to give a dinner he had long promised them that the following day was fixed for the treat and his apartments were prepared for the ladies the gentlemen with one voice agreeing not to go without them they also entered into a confederacy to drink till they had emptied the miser's last bottle determining to have one good frolic as they despaired of ever obtaining a second at his expense madeline received a few lines from agnes de clifford to inform her that by what she could learn from one of the old nuns the abbess expected her return to the nunnery the following week as father anselm had signified his disapprobation of her longer absence this gave great concern to the young people which did not pass unobserved by lady de morney who gently blamed them adding as they had been so long indulged with the company of their friend they ought to submit to the will of the father without repining or reluctance after a day which appeared to roseline the longest she had ever lived the hour arrived in which they were to revisit the dark abode of misery and oppression they found albert impatiently waiting for them in the passage near the foot of the stairs almost despairing of their return every one carried something for the use and gratification of the prisoner edwin was loaded with books madeline with sweetmeats wine and cakes roseline with some white meats and soup she had likewise prepared a reviving mixture from a recipe of de claverings extracted from a variety of healing herbs admirably calculated to restore health and spirits to the fragile frame of the languid sufferer albert informed them that his master considered the whole of what had passed the preceding evening as a dream he had repeatedly mentioned the good and consoling angels who had condescended to visit the couch of a wretch who almost from his birth had been an outcast from society and notwithstanding he assured him he would see them again he could obtain no credit to his assertion not divert his mind from the idea that it was a warning from heaven merely to prepare him for a summons before its awful tribunal hasten my good friend said roseline and undeceive him by letting him know we will wait here to convince him if he will receive us that we are mere mortals like himself albert did not stop for a second command to execute a commission he eagerly wished they followed him the little dog ran out and greeted their arrival with every testimony of joy it was in its nature to express and they were requested to walk in the moment they reached the door of the apartment they were not only surprised but highly gratified at observing the visible change for the better which a few hours had made in the countenance of their new friend whose dependence on their good offices for many of the necessary comforts of life and total seclusion from the world made very forcible claims on their hearts he arose on their entrance edwin flew to embrace him madeline held out her hand which he gently pressed between his but observing that roseline's was likewise extended he dropped the hand of her friend and eagerly caught hers as if he were afraid it should be wrested from him i would fain tell you what i feel at this moment said he faintly and fearfully but i do not know a language to make myself understood this i know that yesterday i wished to die and be forgotten even by albert but now i think if i could have you always with me stealing a look at roseline hear you talk and see you smile i could be content to live for ever even in this sad place if all other women are like you how charming must be the world in which albert says there are a vast many i have often told him and he knows why that i never should like a woman here he smiled expressively on albert i thought they were all very cruel and very ugly creatures therefore i concluded when i first saw you that you were angels or kind and celestial spirits who came down from heaven to receive my soul "'and carry it to a place of rest.' "'Indeed, my good sir,' said Rosaline, "'you were never more mistaken. "'We are like the generality of our sex, "'but much inferior to many. "'We broke in upon you unexpectedly, "'and you judged merely from feelings too highly raised, "'which originated from surprise, "'and were in part confirmed by the effect they had "'on the susceptibility of your nature "'and the seclusion of your situation.' i must now entreat you to take a few spoonfuls of a mixture i have brought you i am afraid it is not very pleasant to the taste but i hope and trust it will be conducive to your recovery she poured some into a teacup and presented it to him he drank it immediately then they produced the more grateful treat they had brought with them he ate a little cake and some sweetmeats with an avidity and greediness that shocked them said they were very fine and much better than the liquor edwin next gave him some books which he opened with eagerness seemed vastly delighted with the prints but shook his head on finding himself unable to read their contents he turned over a few of the leaves and seemed a good deal chagrined edwin explained their titles and gave him a few outlines of the works albert can read them said he i hope you will soon be able to read them yourself replied edwin we will join with albert in instructing you ah cried he shaking his head you will soon grow weary of one so ignorant so dull as i am his eye glanced at roseline i belong to no one i have no friend but poor albert he will not leave me to die alone in such a place as this my dear sir said albert talk not of dying the very first hour you are beginning to live i yet trust we shall see many happy years he looked melancholy "'whispered something they could not perfectly understand, "'and appeared wholly lost in his own painful reflections. "'Edwin again addressed him. "'At hearing his voice he started, "'and gazed on him with a wild and vacant stare "'as if he had never seen him before, "'looked at his dress, then at his own. "'Seemed struck by the contrast, "'and a faint smile came over his features, "'but it was the smile of internal sadness.' it will not be thought superfluous perhaps if we stop a few moments in order to describe as well as we are able the face the person and the dress of this unfortunate young man his complexion from never having been exposed to either air or sun was whiter and more delicate than that of madeline his large blue eyes were shaded by deeply fringed eyelashes and arched with eyebrows which the nicest pencil of the painter could not have improved his face was oval his nose aquiline and his mouth so exquisitely formed as to give grace and expression to all the other features he was much thinner but some inches taller than edwin yet the whole of his appearance showed that confinement and ill-health had stolen in their thievish and destroying progress many of the natural graces from his face and person his hair waved in careless ringlet over his forehead and hung down some length on his shoulders he was still wrapped in a loose morning gown wore slippers and his linen was of the finest texture with some difficulty but not without the assistance of albert they drew him by degrees into something like conversation but he did not appear perfectly to understand all they said and when they mentioned the days beginning to lengthen the increasing and reviving influence of the sun the beauty of the moon and stars he sighed wished he could see and admire them as other men did and inquired if they thought any but himself and albert were denied so many of the blessings which he had been told god had given for the use and benefit of all his creatures edwin replied painful as it was to recollect he had no doubt but at that moment thousands of the fellow-mortals sustained even greater hardships and deprivations than himself must you and these sweet creatures ever do the same he hoped not but fortune was so fickle in the favours she bestowed and everything so uncertain it was impossible to tell what might or might not happen in the course of a few years it is surely very strange said the prisoner and i think those people whose hard hearts and hands contrived and made prisons are the most proper indeed the only persons who should be forced to inhabit them this observation produced a general smile which they hoped would pass unnoticed but it did not escape him and he said while a faint colour flushed his cheek he knew he was very ignorant but he begged they would not despise him for so great a misfortune after this he only ventured to ask a few questions but at the moment of doing so seemed to shrink into himself and to be astonished at his own temerity this shyness and reserve they trusted would wear off as he became familiarized to their visits and conversation they therefore took no notice of his absence or timidity but endeavored by every attention to draw him from his own painful and humiliated reflections and by a few well-timed praises strove to give him self-confidence after staying as long as time and the nature of their visit would permit and giving proper directions to albert in regard to the medicines and nourishing restoratives they had brought with them they reluctantly arose to depart observing their design he held his hands before his eyes to prevent his seeing them go and exclaimed don't don't leave me i cannot bear it i never never shall see you again you will forget me you will leave me for ever his extreme agitation alarmed and affected them all they knew not how to go and yet to stay longer might risk a discovery speak roseline said edwin and if possible quiet these distressing apprehensions roseline as soon as she could sufficiently command the tone of her voice took hold of his trembling hand which was cold as death and gently entreated him to hear her with composure he looked at her with passive acquiescence and she proceeded to assure him that it was their united and determined intention to repeat their visits as often as their own and his situation would permit but that for his sake particularly they were under the necessity of acting with caution and carefully guarding against the possibility of a discovery if he were so much affected when they left him they must visit him less frequently than they wished ah no no do not think of me or what i may feel that is of no consequence only say you will come again and again on my honour we will and continue to do so while you remain an involuntary resident in this castle i am satisfied said he sighing inwardly as he spoke then fixing his eyes on roseline if you would come every day talk to me and look at me thus gently if you would continue to pity my weakness and pardon my ignorance i should not think this a prison but a paradise and could be content to end my useless days in this dungeon this pathetic address roseline could not acquire sufficient resolution to answer and while her heart felt intolerably oppressed the silent tears which stole softly down her cheek explained the nature of her feelings madeline finding the scene was become too painful rose and bade him good-night roseline gently withdrew the hand which for some moments had been clasped in his and edwin seeing the necessity of immediately retiring tenderly bade him farewell finding they were resolute to depart he dropped on his knees by the couch and concealed his face in the pillow they insisted on albert's not leaving his master and hurried back to their own apartment in a state of mind difficult to be described carrying with them a variety of feelings which though new and painful they wished should be retained in their remembrance as it was now two hours beyond their usual time of going to bed the great clock having struck the awful hour of twelve edwin without stopping to make any comments on the scene that had so recently occurred instantly took his leave madeline put on her night-clothes and after talking a few minutes sunk into the leaden arms of sleep not so her friend sleep deserted her pillow in vain she sought and wished for its approach to obliterate new and uncomfortable sensations it was extremely odd that the image of the prisoner haunted her imagination with such persevering obstinacy that notwithstanding she closed her eyes she could not exclude him from her mental sight and what was still more strange and unaccountable though she saw he was less polished than those with whom she was accustomed to associate without education and entirely ignorant of the world a prisoner for she knew not what yet still she thought and was extremely angry with herself for so doing that he was the handsomest man and had the most prepossessing and elegant form she had ever seen his manners too could anything be more captivating than the manners of this uninformed son of nature whom cruelty and injustice had immured in the dungeons of her father's castle a few hours sleep might and she trusted would restore her to a more just and rational way of thinking if not he who caused her judgment to mislead her would perhaps be the means of its returning to its proper function we will now therefore leave her to try an experiment which has often produced as powerful an effect and stealing the mind by a temporary oblivion from the objects of its sudden partiality has likewise stolen by the dawn of the succeeding morning all recollection of woes which in a moment of unguarded susceptibility had found a passage to the heart whether it had this convenient soporific and benumbing property on the mind of roseline we are not now at liberty to declare but if it should not we hope some of our readers will make allowance for the unfashionable taste of a young lady who lived so many ages before themselves who was unhackneyed in the devious paths of life with a mind unvitiated by pride or the pangs of envy and who had seen little or nothing of the world beyond the precincts of the castle she inhabited End of chapter six recording by patty cunningham